so I was thinking about a mother's role or the role of a mother. And, of course, you can see by the picture we have here, boy, I'm telling you what, they, mothers feel more roles than, than we could ever cover in one morning. Boy, they have so many tasks that they do, so many things that they accomplish. But as I began to think about it, I began to think of things that my mother roles that she filled in my life. And so I had a, a thing that I wanted you to do to start. So just take a paper and pen. You can take your bulletin or scrap paper. There's pens there in the pew in front of you. Take a paper and pen if you have it available to you. And just take a moment and I want you to think and I want you to write down three things about your mother. These can be things that you're thankful for. These can be things that she did for you. These can be characteristics that you see in your life that you know were a result of your mother. Whatever they are, think of three things that your mother means to you or three things your mother has done for you and just take a moment and write those three things down. I'm just going to pause here for a minute and give you a moment to think and write those down. I imagine as you begin to think at first, your, your mind will draw just a little bit of a blank because it always does when you're put on the spot like this. Your mind will draw just a little bit of a blank, but as you begin to write, you will find that three is a very small number. And very quickly you find that there's a lot more than three things that your mother means to you or three things that your mother has done for you. And as we take a moment and just stop and think about these things, it helps us to recognize the role that our mother played in our life. As I was thinking about this, I began to think of uh, the many different things that my mother has uh, meant to me and the many different things she has uh, done in my life. Uh, one thing is uh, that my mother really spoiled me and I did not realize how much she spoiled me. And as I was, didn't leave home, I was, didn't marry until I was 22, but I worked pretty much a full-time job from the time I was 16, 17 years old, and uh, mom would come in and she would flip my light on in my bedroom and she'd say, John, it's time for work, your breakfast is ready. I'd roll out of bed and go in the kitchen and here would set an omelet, it was always an omelet, here would set an omelet, uh, here would set my Bible, here would set whatever it was that I had to drink that morning, it would be laid out on the table, I'd stagger in there, sit down, eat my omelet, read my devotion, and off to work I'd go. And uh, I thought this was how life worked, you know, and then I got married. And... Uh, <laughs> I'd never used an alarm clock in my life. I'm telling you what, life was a disaster there for a few weeks while I learned how to adult on my own. But boy, you know what, there's many things, many things we can think of that our mothers have done for us. And boy, things that our mothers, the difference that they've made in our life. And so uh, when, it, when I think about these things, I thought, you know, if your mother's still living, if the Lord's blessed you and your mother's still living, I thank the Lord that my mother is still living, was able to talk with her this morning. Find some time today to let her know that you appreciate her. Find some time today to let her know that you're thankful. And you're like, well, boy, I would, I, Pastor John, you don't know the type of mother I had. You know what? Even if your mother wasn't everything she should have been, she chose to give you life. And we live in a day when life in the womb is a dangerous place to be. But the fact that you're here says somebody gave you life. Someone chose to allow you to take from their body to develop your body so that you could have life. There are many, many things that we can look at and recognize that our mothers have done for us. So if your mother's still living, take some time today and let her know that you appreciate her. If your mother's already graduated into glory, take some time today and just thank the Lord. 
forgiven you a mother. Thank the Lord for the blessing that she has been to you. You know, as I said, when we call, pause to consider our mothers, it don't take long to realize the importance of a mother's role. And so I want to take a few moments today to talk about just a few of the roles that a mother can fill in the life of her child. Here in 1 Samuel chapter number 1, of course, we read the story of the birth of Samuel. And in reading of the birth of Samuel, we're given the backstory of his mother, Hannah. Of course, Hannah was barren. Hannah wanted to have children. She desired children, but she was barren. She was unable to have children. And so we read the story of how Hannah went before the Lord. She came to the, to the temple and she labored and prayed before the Lord. As a matter of fact, was praying praying so fervently that the priest thought that she was intoxicated because she was praying so fervently and he asked her about it and she said, no, I'm not intoxicated. I am just, I have such a heavy burden. I so want children. And of course the priest told her that the Lord would grant her her request and we understand that some time passed. Hannah did conceive and the child that she conceived was Samuel and when Hannah was there at the temple praying, she promised the Lord Lord, that if he gave her a son, that she would give him back to the Lord. She conceived, she bore a child, and Hannah kept her promise. And she brought him back to the temple. After he was waned and was able to be on his own, she brought him back and we come here to verse number 27 and 28 of 1 Samuel chapter number 1. And Hannah is there. She is at the temple. She is giving Samuel back to the Lord. And she says these words in verse number 27, For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. And Lord, we are thankful, oh Lord, for our mothers. Lord, those uh, that gave so much of themselves that we might have life. And Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you for this day that's been set aside for the purpose of honoring them, Father. Now, Lord, as we look into your word concerning the role of a mother, Father, and we look at these three areas, uh, Lord, that I believe are important things that mothers can do in the lives of their children. Father, I pray that you will take your word. I pray, dear Lord, that you will speak. I pray, dear Lord, that it will be clear. I pray, dear Lord, that you will challenge our hearts. And, Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We read here in this passage and we read, of course, that Hannah said, I prayed for this child and because the Lord answered my request, I have given my child back to the Lord. Hannah recognized that Samuel was a gift from the Lord because Hannah had specifically prayed for Samuel. She had specifically asked that the Lord would give her this son and therefore it was clear that this son was a gift from the Lord. But if we go over to Psalm 127 and in verse number 3, we find that all children are indeed a gift from the Lord. In Psalm 127 and verse number 3, the Bible says, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit 
of the womb is his reward. All children have been given as a gift from the Lord. Whenever we consider the value of this amazing gift of a child, we ask the question, what is, we could of course say, what is a parent's role? And, and of course many much of what I'll say today will apply to both parents. But because of Mother's Day, we ask the question, what is a mother's role in the life of a child. And truthfully, there's no way that we can cover everything that many mothers do in our lives. But for today's message, I want us to consider three things that I believe are important roles for mothers to fulfill in the life of their child. The first of these is I believe that a mother should pray for her child. I believe this is probably the most important thing that a mother can do for her child and that is for a mother to pray for her child. Many are the testimonies of great men who accredit their salvation and their success to the prayers of their mother. In preparing this, I just went on Google and Googled great men or men who were great because of their mother and I just read story after story after story. There were so many men who credited their greatness to their mother that I couldn't even begin to pick an example. Billy Graham accredited his greatness to his mother. D.L. Moody accredited his greatness to his mother. Abraham Lincoln accredited his greatness to his mother. And over and over and over we find story after story after story of men who said "We the reason I am who I am, the reason I'm where I'm at, the reason I'm successful is because I had a mother who prayed for me. In our text, we find that Hannah said, for this child I prayed. We go throughout the Bible, we find as we've been studying in Genesis on Wednesday nights, we find Hagar praying for her son. We find Rebecca praying for her children while they were still in the womb. And we could go and throughout the Word of God and find many, many women who prayed for their children. I think one of the number one things that a mother can do for her child and this is something that any born-again mother can do is they can pray for their children. What are some areas that mothers should pray for their children? Well, I believe first of all we ought to pray for their souls. The first area we ought to pray for our children is we ought to pray for their souls. In Hebrews 13 verse number 17, the Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Why? Why? The word why is not there, I added that, but here's the reason why. For they watch for your souls. Why is it that we should submit to our parents and submit to those who are in rule over us? Because they watch for our souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. We see here that our mothers are those who are watching over our souls as those that must give an account. Do you know that there is coming a day when each and every parent will give an account to God 
for how their children turned out. Every person will stand before God and they will give an account as how their children turned out. Why? It says they watch for your soul as they that must give account. He says here that we are to be people who are concerned about the souls of our children. I believe that mothers should pray for the salvation of their children. Not only should they pray for their souls, but mothers should also pray for their shortcomings. Pray for your children's shortcomings. Now there's a tendency not to see the faults of our children. And there's a tendency to turn a blind eye to the faults of our children. But in truth, no one knows the faults of our children better than mom does. No one knows their weakness. No one knows about that hot temper. No one knows about those bad hygiene habits. No one knows about all these things that children do like mom does. Mom knows everything about those children. She knows exactly who they are. And she loves them more than anybody could love them, but she knows their shortcomings. Now, there's two ways we can approach the shortcomings. One, we can pretend they're not there or second we can acknowledge them and pray for them. Whether it be a hot temper, uh, maybe the tendency to talk too much uh, or to speak without thinking, perhaps it's something more, more serious such as a learning disability or a physical handicap uh, or any other number of things. Mother knows where her children are weak and a good mother will pray for her children's shortcomings. I believe you pray in two ways. I've learned some of this by the example of my wife, the mother of my children. You pray two ways for your children's shortcomings. One, you pray for the area of weakness. Lord, I know my son, Aiden, has a terrible hot temper. No, I'm just picking on Aiden because he's sitting right there. <laughs> I know that Aiden has this area. I know that Kale struggles in this area. I know Kaylee has this weakness. Lord, I pray that you will help them in this area of weakness. I pray that you will help strengthen them in this area of weakness. I pray that you will develop them in this area of weakness. But not only do I pray for the specific weakness, but I pray, Lord, give me wisdom as a parent how to instruct my child in this area of weakness. Help me as a parent know how to approach uh, this area of weakness. Help me know uh, what it is that I can do uh, that will help uh, shape and mold this child. Uh, I believe that as parents we ought to pray for their souls. We ought to pray for their shortcomings. Uh, you know, there is no force uh, that is more powerful uh, than the prayer of a saint. Many times we do not access the power that is available in prayer, but James 5.16 says the effect fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And who is better equipped to pray for the shortcomings of a child than mom? Mom can make a difference through prayer. But in addition to praying for their souls and their shortcomings, I believe moms should pray for their strengths. They should pray about their child's strengths. Just as a weakness can be a hindrance, a strength can become a stumbling block. Boy, many times I look at people in the world. I look at the skills that they have. There are some very intelligent, talented people who do not know God, who are doing huge things on an earthly level. 
and I look at them, and instead of seeing them as successful, I ask myself the question, what could have this person done if they had believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? What kind of a difference could have this person made if they would have used that gift for the Lord? You know what? It breaks my heart whenever I hear the stories of these country singers and these rock and these pop singers who say they started in a church choir. And now they're out here on the stage of the world using the gift that God gave them to glorify flesh when God gave it to them to glorify Him. I look at them and they're trying to say, I started in a church choir as a way of testimony so you can still listen to me sing ungodly music because I know about Jesus too. When the truth of the matter is they are wasting the gift that God gave them. Not only should we pray for their shortcomings, but we need to pray for their strengths. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, verse number 18, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. If you see an area that your child is strong, you need to pray that the Lord help your child direct that strength in a humble way for the glory of God. Ecclesiastes 9 verse number 11 says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Psalm 147 verse number 10, speaking of the Lord, says, He delighteth not. In the strength of the horse, he taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him. We see in Jeremiah 9, verse number 23 and 24, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this that he understandeth and knoweth me. We see here that many times as humans, we exalt our human strengths. But as parents, we should pray for our children's strength. I believe that the Lord has uniquely crafted each person with individual strengths and weaknesses. He specifically designed us in such a way to fulfill the purpose that He has for our life. But many times, instead of seeing ourselves as being carefully designed for the glory of God, we tend to look down on the weaknesses of others while exalting ourselves in our own strength. And whenever we do that, we become proud over the strengths that God has given us, and that pride drives us to seek recognition for our strength leading us to abandon giving them to God. You know, the world will give you a lot more recognition for your human abilities than the work of the Lord will. And many times, whenever we get focused on our strengths and we're looking at all that we're good at, and we're using it for the Lord, but nobody notices Pride drives us to abandon why God gave us those strengths and take them to the world so that somebody can recognize me. Pray 
for your children's strengths. You know what, if you have a child that's musically talented, you need to be putting in that child's mind that God gave them that voice. He gave them that voice to glorify God. He gave them that voice to use in the church and in the ministry of the gospel to develop that voice, to train that voice, and to use that voice for the glory of God. You have a son that seems to have a natural gift of being able to speak and explain things. You tell that boy that God has given him the ability to teach and to instruct and to lead people in righteousness. You have someone that is a natural leader. You let him know what a difference he could make in leading people to make differences across the world for the cause of Christ. And we could go on and on and on. You have a child that has great athletic ability. You tell him what a difference he could make in a Christian school program inviting kids to come and get a Christian education. On and on and on we could go. The strength that your child has was given to them for the glory of God. Encourage them to use it for the glory of God and pray for them that it doesn't become a stumbling block and take them away from what God intended for them. I believe that mothers should pray for their child's weaknesses, but they should also pray for their strength. In addition to praying for our child, though, I believe that a mother plays another vital role not only should every mother pray for their child, but every mother also should develop her child. Every mother's role is vital in developing her child. Children are a miracle. Children are perfectly created beings with unlimited potential. Now, I'm going to make an example here, and this could be taken wrong, so please understand where I'm going with this. We live in a day when people seem to think that their pet dogs are capable of more understanding than humans. You say, why do you say that? Well, because they fully believe that it's possible to teach their dog uh, whether or not to get on the furniture. They think it's fully possible uh, to teach their dog uh, whether he can use the restroom at. Uh, they think it's perfectly possible to teach their dog uh, when he can eat and when he can't eat. And we could go on and on and on. They think that you can teach your dog all kind of things and that's perfectly normal, but you can't teach a child these things. I'm telling you, it just stumps me when I see parents failing to teach their children the most basic things. Now, I'm not talking about anyone in here. I'm just talking about people that I see in the world. They fail to teach their children the most basic things. And it's like, do you not understand that this little creature you're holding in your arms, although it is completely dependent on you, is the most intelligent being that exists on this planet? Do you not understand that although it is not able to communicate right now, it can hear, it can process, uh, it can file databases, uh, it can start developing that brain. Uh, it may not be able to talk to you, but it is taking in, processing, uh, and creating who it is going to be unlike any other creature in this world. Whenever you have a child, you have a miracle, a perfectly created being with unlimited potential, and they are placed into our lives as a blank slate. And it's up to us as parents to develop 
that child. It is up to us to mold, direct, teach, and train. And they're totally dependent on us for that training. They begin right after birth to begin to hear, to understand, to absorb, to dissect, to process each piece of information that is given to them. Our brains have phenomenal capacity and our brains never stop receiving, analyzing, processing, and developing. Whenever you have a young child, their brains are not filled as an older adult's brain is and they take in everything. They file everything. Now as we get older and our brains are full and we have a lot on our mind, sometimes our processing and analyzing means we just ditch it. We don't, we don't try to hold on to that. We let it go and sometimes we get confused and ditch the wrong thing. But whenever you're a child, boy, I'm telling you what, they take everything in and they are dependent on you as to what they're taking in. Once heard a story of a family and I'm not uh, at all speaking as to, as to whether or not a person should be in the military. That's not the point of the story. But these parents were opposed to their children joining the military. Just for clarification, I disagree with their view. But that was their view. They didn't want their children in the military. And they raised their children not to be in the military. They taught them all that they thought was evil was serving in the military. But their son, when he became of age, wanted nothing more than to join the military. They couldn't understand why he so wanted to be in the military. I mean, we've never spoke of the military in a positive light at all. Why does he want to be in the military? And their son said to them, well, there's a picture. It was just a painting that someone had given them. There's a picture in the living room of an old ancient Navy ship. And all my life, I have sat and looked at that picture and dreamed of what it'd be like to be in the Navy. Our children take in everything. They take everything in. And it's up to us to make sure that what they are receiving is what will develop them into the child that they ought to be. I believe no one has a stronger influence in the life of a child in this area than mom. Now dads, we like to take that credit, but nobody has a stronger position of influence in the developing the life of a child than mom does. So how do we fulfill this role of developing our child? And boy, we could preach for months on this, but we'll try to be brief. I believe, first of all, we fulfill this role of developing our child with instruction. With instruction. The verse we all know, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs chapter number 6, starting in verse 20, says, My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thy heart. Tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light. And reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Instruction comes in the form of explanation and example. 
So whenever we're talking about instructing our child, we're talking about explanation, explaining how something's to be done, and example, that is showing how it is to be done. Whenever I was uh, a, a young father and I had little, three boys about this big, they kind of went like this, about that big, and I said to myself, I don't want to carry all this firewood when I get old, so I'm going to teach my boys to carry firewood. Now, I realize now that my philosophy was all wrong, that about the time I I get to where I really want them to carry the firewood, they leave and go carry their own firewood. But uh, anyway, I said, I want to teach these boys to carry firewood. And so they were just little bitty guys. And so I would split the wood really small. I would split it down a lot smaller than what it was necessary. Uh, it caused myself extra work to split it down small. But then I would take this wood and I'd say, hold your arms out like this. And I'd put the little sticks on them and then I'd get me an arm load. I'd say, now follow me. And we'd go up the steps onto the porch and we'd go in the door. We'd come over and I'd put mine in the box and then I'd show them how to put theirs in the box. And over and over and over we would do this. I explained and I gave them an example. And you know what? Uh, back when they were uh, in high school and, and just going to college, uh, they'd say, Dad, do you mind if we take the chainsaw and cut some firewood? I'd be like, no, help yourself. They'd take the saw in the truck and they'd go cut firewood. They'd bring it home and split it. They'd carry it in, put it in the wood box. Why? Because of instruction. Someone had explained and someone had given them example and now they knew what they were supposed to do. Now that's just a small example, but this applies to every area of life. You see, children are intelligent beings, but there's a lot they don't know until we teach them. That blank slate is ready to receive. It will receive it. It will process it. It will analyze it. It will apply it. But until we teach them, they don't know it. So the first step of developing a child is instruction, explanation, and example. Instruction is vital for the healthy development of your child. We cannot simply expect that they know how and what they should and should not do, but they are equipped to quickly comprehend and apply instruction. Thus, the person who invests in their child through instruction will be rewarded. However, because of our design, in other words, we are created with a free will, adults and children alike, instruction alone is not enough. Instruction alone will not produce the best children. Children do have the capability to hear and understand. They also have a will to determine if they want to apply what they've been told. And so you can instruct them, but then they decide, do I want this or not? Is this something I want to do? And so then it is the parent's role in developing their child not only to instruct, but also to discipline. Now instruction is example and explanation. Discipline is reinforcing the instruction. You say, well, now I don't know about that. Well, you instruct your child to brush their teeth, and they do not want to brush their teeth. So discipline ensures that they brush their teeth, not because you're being mean to them. And you can explain. I've had five kids. Let, I'm not picking on any of them, okay? But let me just tell you, you can explain all you want, the importance of brushing teeth, and if they don't want to brush their teeth, it doesn't matter explanation isn't working. Example isn't working, okay? So there needs to be discipline that reinforces the importance of the instruction. I remember when I was a young child, 
just a, just a young guy, my mom and dad had been trying to teach me the importance of brushing my teeth, and I had a tendency to skip, you know. i just skip if, if I could. I was just a little guy. Me and my dad were going to see my grandparents in Tennessee. I was just a little guy. We got in the car, and we started up a road, and I started just talking up a storm to him, just a little bitty car, so we was in close capacity to one another. And uh, he said, son, did you brush your teeth this morning? Uh-uh. He said, reach back there in that suitcase and get your toothbrush out. Now, we lived about seven hours from Grandma. He said, get that toothbrush out, put some toothpaste on it, and start brushing. And I brushed all the way to Grandma's house. <laughs> I've never skipped brushing again. Discipline reinforces the instruction. It reinforces the importance of the instruction. Now let me just say a few things. I've used up all my time and I will admit to you when I got here this morning, morning I told Pastor Kent, I said there's four slides in the sermon that have to go because I've got way too much material. So I, I deducted four slides before we started, okay? So, uh, but anyway, a few things concerning discipline. Number one, an undisciplined parent has no business disciplining a child. Straight up. If you are an undisciplined person, you have no business disciplining a child. That is that. Uh, if you can't control your own desires, you'll never succeed in training someone else to control their desires. Another thing about discipline. Discipline is not a substitute for instruction. I've seen parents who thought that they could just spank their child without ever telling them what they were supposed to do and that they would grow up to be good kids. No, discipline is never a substitute for instruction. Punishing a child for failure in an area they've not been instructed in simply renders bitter children, not good children. Third thing about discipline, instruction should always precede discipline. Discipline should always be a reforcer a reinforcer, not a replacement. Fourth thing, discipline without instruction is detrimental to the child, but instruction without discipline is insufficient for proper training. It takes both patient instruction and loving reinforcement to develop healthy behavior. Thirdly, regarding developing children, a mother should pray for her children, she should develop her children. Thirdly, regarding development, that is, that it be done with love. This development must be done with love. And boy, I tell you, we could preach a whole sermon on love, but we so misunderstand it. But love is the virtue that seeks the betterment of others above myself. That is the definition of love. That's why love holds a marriage together. True love holds a marriage together because each is seeking the betterment of the other. And if both parties are seeking the betterment of the other, that you will not pull that marriage apart. You see, we misunderstand love and we think that love is we like something because of what it can do for me. That's not love. Love is seeking the betterment of someone else above myself. Uh, we th look at love in regard to, to training children. We see that love is giving of myself that someone else may benefit. Love is a sacrifice. Uh, love is surrendering my wants uh, for the pursuit of someone else's development. Love prioritizes the training, the instruction, the di discipline, and development of my child above my own interests and desires. 
If we went back to that illustration of splitting wood, it took a lot longer to work up a load of wood when I split it smaller. But I was more interested in the development of my sons than I was how quick we got the load of wood put away. A lot of parents fail in this area of development, not because they are poor instructors, not because they are disciplining wrong, but it's because they don't have the love that says, I'm willing to take all day to teach this lesson if that's what it takes. I was planning on going shopping. I was planning on getting my nails done. I was planning on washing the car. But all that can wait. Love says their development is priority. Whenever you take that aspect, you will find that your child will learn. Love makes time for instruction. Love is consistent in discipline. Love is focused on the development of the child. Love values instruction and love will temper discipline. Love makes the process work. Without love, all is vain. So what is the role of a mother? First, a mother should pray for her child. Second, a mother should develop her child. But the third area that I want to look at this morning is that a mother should point her child to Jesus. Now, I don't put this one last because it's least important. I put this one last because if you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember this. A mother should point her child to to Jesus. There is nothing more important in the life of any human being than that of putting their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing more important that a child understand than to understand the redemption that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, all human beings are sinners. Yes, all human beings are condemned. Yes, but a way of salvation has been provided for all absolutely. And we as parents need to be letting our children know you do not have to grow up to live a life of sin. You do not have to grow up to give yourself over to the devil. You do not have to get lit, grow up to give yourself over to vice. You can give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the most important thing that we can teach our children from as early as, as possible is the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God doesn't throw people in hell. People put their self in hell because they do not avail themselves to the redemption that's been made possible through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, the most important thing a mother can do is point her child to Jesus over and over and over and over again. Now, I'm not saying that you won't still have children who walk away from God because you will. We do have a free will. And children will still walk away from God. But the child who is presented with the hope of the gospel over and over and over and over again and his mind is kept clean of the influence of the world will have a much better chance of putting his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ than the child who sits in front of the television five and six hours a day and sits and plays his video games all night long and never hears anything from the gospel. The one who is saturated in the Word of God, will have a lot more likelihood of putting his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to point our children to Jesus. Two things we should teach our children concerning Jesus. First, he is our Savior. The Bible says in Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other. 
For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other way of salvation. Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the only way. All hope of eternity is found in Him. He is the only one who can cleanse. He's the only one who can forgive. He's the only one who can redeem. He is the only way for man to find redemption from their condemnation. Teach your children early and often of the hope that is to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Point them to Him as our Savior, but then also point to Jesus as our example. Not only as our Savior, but also as our example. Ephesians 5.1 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Christ is our example of love. He is our example of forgiveness, our example of righteousness, our example of kindness, our example of holiness. If you want an example to point your child to, point them to the Savior. Point them to the Savior. I believe as we raise our children, as we develop our children, we should be constantly pointing to the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. However, I close with this. You can't point someone to Jesus if you've never accepted Him yourself. You can't take someone somewhere you have never been. You can't lead someone to somebody you've never met. So therefore, I conclude with this. If you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've missed the first and most important step of being a mother. You must first put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and then you will be able to point your child to the Savior. Then you will be able to develop your child according to biblical principles. Then you will be able to fervently pray and get a hold of the gates of heaven for your child. But first, you must put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask each of you to stand there where you are. Miss Debbie's going to make her way to the piano. You say, Pastor John, it's an unusual Mother's Day message. I believe it's important that mothers know the spiritual role they play in the lives of their children. I believe it's important that mothers know the importance of putting their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's important that we understand the role we play in leading our children to the Savior. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, as Miss Debbie plays, I ask you to come.
Amen. Thank you so much for being here. And again, I say, mothers, we love you. Love every one of you. Thank you for the role that you play and for every lady uh, that invests her life into people. Boy, I'll tell you what, we're thankful for each and every one of you. And as a token of our appreciation, we dismiss here in just a moment. There'll be men at the doors. Uh, we have a little flower for you that we put together. So we hope that that's a blessing to you, let you know that we appreciate you. So any lady, uh, whether or not you're a mother at this time or not, if you're 18 years and older, uh, we have a gift for you and we hope that it'll be a blessing to you. Do appreciate each one of you being here. Uh, feel free to avail yourself to the photo booth, get some family pictures together. Hope that you have a wonderful day in the Lord. Brother Luke, I'm going to ask if you would dismiss us from the service.